Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I am Christine Heath. I'm coming to you from Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific, and I'm here um, in 2023 to start another year of podcasts with my very dear friend and the most brilliant woman I've ever met in my life. Judy Sedgman, I got to stop you. (laughs) Judy Sedgman, and I'm in Pittsburgh, and Chris is magnificent counselor and a wonderful friend and beautiful. No, no, you can do that in your your time. (laughs) You you have to accept it when we do it. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, we, we're good friends, and um, so if we laugh a lot, don't think we're, like, weird, because we just really enjoy doing this together, and we enjoy the feeling that we have together when we do it, and that is why we're going to talk about our topic today, which is on the feeling. So one of the things that psychology kind of focuses on, has been focusing on, is problems, and how people create problems, why they create them, what happened to them that would cause them to have the problems they have. And it's really focused on trying to fix the suffering of humanity by focusing on the suffering. And we're doing this podcast to talk about how to relieve the suffering of humanity by focusing on the health, the natural built-in health that we have. That's why we call it psychology as it backwards, because we've, the field has been focused on fixing what people already create, which is frequently a mess, instead of creating a more beautiful, healthy lifestyle and, a, and living in a more beautiful feeling. So when we talk about this, we have an understanding that's called the three principles, which is um, a school of thought that is used um, and it's not used, but it's kind of an understanding of how thought works that people bring into their work, whether they're uh, in nursing or business or uh, psychology or education or policing or anything. It's like as long as there's human beings, this understanding will help people to function better within whatever setting they're, they're living. So... One of the things that we talk about in this way of looking at things is the feeling. So people refer to things like listen for a feeling, listen to the feeling. Have you found the feeling? Did you drop into a feeling? I'm in the most beautiful feeling. These are things that you'll hear people say, which for those of you that aren't part of this community, you probably think these guys are definitely on something because they're (laughs) talking about good feelings way too much. But that's really what we see as the answer is to focus on the feeling. So sometimes when people hear us talk about that, what they hear is that you should focus on your feelings. So Mm -hmm. those of you that don't like to share feelings are like, ew, it's too touchy-feely. You know, (laughs) it's about 
Oh my God. So we're not talking about sharing all of your emotions. What we're talking about is living in a deeper state of mental well-being, which is a different feeling. And when you're listening for that feeling, you drop into that feeling and then you can start to live there. And when you do that, the symptoms that you've been analyzing and processing and talking about drop away without effort. So we did our podcast this week, Judy and I, and one of the people came and he wanted to know, um, like we talk about the feeling all the time, am I supposed to like express all my feelings? And <laughs> we thought, oh yeah, we should do a podcast on this because we're, we're really talking about a deeper feeling, not your immediate thoughts that are creating your emotions, but we're talking about a deeper feeling, a deeper state of consciousness, if you will. That deeper state of consciousness is what we would call mental well-being. So there's lots of ways to look at this. So we're going to spend the next half an hour just talking about what, what that means in the three principles world versus what it would mean in the traditional world. I can give you an example of this because I was talking just last week to a client who was really depressed for quite a long time. And I was trying to help him to understand what depression was and, and to understand the difference between entertaining depressing thoughts over time and getting attached to your depressing thoughts and getting stuck in them and just allowing your thoughts to pass and finding a different feeling. And so along the way, I asked him, what, what, what was it like when he wasn't depressed? And this is what he said. He said, well, I don't know. Everything looks brighter. I kind of come out of it. My thinking, all those dark thoughts, is like a passing storm. They just, the clouds pass and the sun is out. And he said, and suddenly I feel really connected to the minute that I'm in. Like if I'm with my partner or if I'm with friends or if I'm in a beautiful setting, suddenly it just becomes really incredibly beautiful and I realize where I am, and I realize I'm in the present moment, and it, and it feels wonderful. And I said, well, that's the feeling that's natural to all of us, unless we overthink and get our minds going a million miles an hour and entertain a lot of negative thoughts and kind of obscure it. But it's still there. And he said, yeah, but it's so random. He said, I, I, that's what I don't understand. I don't like being depressed. I like that other state, but it's random. I can't get it. I can't make it happen. And I realized as I was talking to him that, of course, you can't make it happen because it's already happening. <laughs> it's, it's, it's present in us. You know, the potential for that is always alive in us. And so it's a matter of omitting rather than working at it or finding it or looking for it. And I said, well, you said when the, when the clouded thoughts pass, you know, this happens. And he said, yes, but I can't make those thoughts pass. And I said, well, that's true too, but you can let them pass. And I realized that, you know, what's, health is kind of natural to us, only we don't appreciate that. 
and people revert to a very natural feeling of well-being and, and connection and feeling at peace and comfortable in their own skin and all the things we associate with higher level feelings if they just stop entertaining a lot of extraneous thinking. Mm -hmm. And by entertaining it, I mean focusing on it when it's not helping you. It's like, you know, when people get frightened by their own thoughts, which happens when, like, like the more negative your thoughts are, the more likely you are to start worrying about why am I thinking that? I don't want to think that. I hate that. And the more you think about it, the more, the bigger it gets. And the more you think about it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I said, you know, what I really need to talk to you about, because you know what the feeling is, you know what you're looking for, and you know you like it. I need to talk to you about allowing it rather than trying to get it. And that's the beauty, I think, of, of uh, the work that we do, that when people start to understand the nature of their thinking and how it works, they just naturally kind of ease into a much more comfortable feeling in life and they feel very connected. And in feeling connected, they suddenly become aware, oh, other people have feelings too. And they're in a feeling state. And it makes us much more compassionate. Mm -hmm. Because when we're dealing with our negative thinking, all we can think about is ourselves and surviving, keeping ourselves in survival mode. But when you drop into this connected, nice state, you look around and you see, oh, gee, that person looks like they're having a bad day. And that person looks like they, you know, they they need to cheer up or she's got something on her mind. You start to notice other people's feeling states as well. And we interact much more, I guess, easily and compassionately and kindly with people around us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, one of the things that it would be so simple, wouldn't it, if you did like marriage counseling and, and you told people, okay, um, go get in a good feeling and then yeah. tell me what you see, right? Yeah. right? Instead of like, go get in a bad mood, have a big fight, and then come tell me what happened, because that's what people do, right? right? They come exactly. in, they talk about all the details of what happened and what they said and what she said. And it, it's like the details become what needs to be shared. But what about if people knew that all you have to do is like wait until you're both in a good feeling mm-hmm. and that each person is responsible for clearing their minds and finding that feeling. That's kind of all you have to do and then really let go of the past. Like you can't go back and visit it, right? Once you've gotten kind of in an argument or something, you don't want to go back into that reality to fix it. It's already happened. It's too late already. So do you just let it go? You fix your feeling. You get back into a loving place with your partner. And that's all you need to do. And the rest all falls in place. It just doesn't seem like it could be that simple. So like one of my, um, one of my interns, I, I, she sees the woman in a couple that we're working with. And the husband said to me, he says, you know, Chris, um, I think you need to meet with my wife. I said, really, why? She said, well, the intern is um, talking to her about different role plays they could do so that she could learn how to talk to me. And mm-hmm. so she's role playing with her so she can talk to me. Uh, I just don't think she's getting the same thing that I'm getting with you. And I had to laugh because of course my poor little 
intern is in graduate school where they're teaching her all these techniques and she's following the client down this road of, I want to think, who is also a social worker, down this road to trying to figure out how to deal with this problem she perceives rather than changing the feeling she has about her husband, right? As yes. It's totally innocent, but you can see how when you're in that problem-fixing world that it looks like you should be giving them some tools to deal with this problem. And it's just so simple that if they just change their feeling for each other, they're fine. And in fact, that happens with this couple. They have a lot of times during the day, during the week, and they're fine together and they have a great day. But then they come back, but then blah, blah, blah. And they go back to focusing on the negative feeling again that comes mm-hmm. up. Right. So it's, it's, it makes it so simple, but people can't believe it could be that simple. What, what do you mean? Just change my feeling about this. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't realize that their feeling is, is it's like a little wellspring just waiting to bubble up. Yeah, And, uh, you know, it's funny that you said that because I was talking to uh, a person that is a man and and a couple that's splitting and they, um, he was talking about, he was asking me like, I just don't understand why we've had such a bad marriage, you know, because we we really loved each other when we started out. And I said, well, from what you've told me about your marriage, from what little you've told me, it sounds like you mostly talked to each other when you were upset. And he said, well, I mean, that's when you have to settle things and straighten things out, isn't it? And I said, no. <laughs> that's when you have to keep your mouth shut. And, he's, and he said, well, you know, we were upset a lot. And I said, I know, that's the thing. And I'm trying to tell you that if you, in the future, should you decide to form another relationship, a good idea would be to sit down with your partner and say, Let's work together to create a happy marriage. And how we create a happy marriage is we have an understanding that when our mood drops and our tone drops and we lose that nice feeling, we'll stop talking. And we'll just go to go, you know, do something else for a little bit and let our minds quiet down and start again. And he says, well, it can't be that simple. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of the usual answer, but it is that simple. And I told him the story about, I, I, I have a, a daughter who's turning 50 this year. And when she was 14, no, she was 15 when this happened, I realized that almost all the conversations we were having were low, meet, low mood conversations. You know, she was a teenager trying to grow up and she had, you know, how how kids are when they're 14. I don't have to go into detail. And, uh, and I was a mom trying to be a good mom. And, and I had to say no a lot because, you know, kids want to do a lot of stuff that's kind of beyond their uh, age level when they get to be that age. And maybe I should have been more forgiving about it. But anyway, and I just got sick of it. I thought, oh, I used to, it, was, it used to be so much fun just a couple of years ago when we used to go to places together and go look at things in the museum and have a good time. And we hardly ever got at odds with each other. And I realized that we never had conversations anymore just in a beautiful feeling. It was always, I want this, and I'm in, and me saying, no, you can't. 
And, you know, right away we would start. And so I sat down with her and I said, look, honey, I'd like to make a deal with you. And the deal is that you understand enough about how good moods and bad moods. And if we are talking and either one of us is in a bad mood or gets in a bad mood, then the other person can call time out. And all we have to say is time out. And we'll have the understanding that if the person calls time out, we'll agree to it. And we'll just take a, take a break from the conversation, you know, go do something else for a little bit and come back to it later. Well, she didn't like all these negative conversations either. So she agreed to it. So that was when she was 15, which is 45 years ago. And, and, uh, 35, 35, 35 years ago. I was going to say that's too long. 35 years ago. And we have never had an argument since then. I mean, we've disagreed a lot. She's very willful and so am I. And we have our opinions. And But we've never had an argument. Because if we disagree with each other and we can't talk nicely, we just stop talking until we can. And she's kept that, she's kept that agreement with me all these years and I with her. And, you know, we've faced some tough times, but we always got through it. And I thought, you know, this is kind of what we try to tell people about a marriage, but it's true with your children. It's true with your business associates. It's true with the people that you're your neighbors that you have to get along with. It's true with your roommates. You know, it's just understanding that any conversation that you don't folk, don't pay attention to the feeling could go south. Yeah. And, you know, if everybody knew that, just think about how easy it would be. First of all, I'd be out of a job. Yeah, me too. But I'd be and, happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd be happy about it because we'd know that we just had to get in a good feeling and something else would appear. Right. So, so I think when we talk, because we talk about this a lot in working with three principles, whether you're doing professional training or you're a coach or whatever it is. And one of the things that I think people get confused about is they think that a, a deeper feeling is always one of positivity. So yeah. they, if they're positive, they must be coming from a good feeling, but you can really be a positive thinker and positive thinking doesn't necessarily come across like a beautiful feeling. Like I remember actually before I even learned the principles, you know, it's like I would see people that were like really kind of what I call hyper happy. Hi, You know, they're kind of drive you nuts a little bit because they're so hyper. (laughs) You know, they're, they're optimistic, but there's not a deeper feeling. So when people sometimes come and learn about the principles, they learn it at an intellectual level. And the feeling isn't there, the deeper feeling, right? So we're not just talking about just having a pleasant feeling, although that's a good thing. (laughs) But the other thing is that as your state of mind quiets and you start to live at a deeper level of consciousness, you access these deeper feelings of presence, of love, of uh, it's hard even to put a word to it because you just feel like you're you are part of the energy that creates the universe, mm-hmm. and and that feeling gets really deep. And so one of the things that might happen in 
one of our talks or in something that we do for Three Principles Global Community is sometimes the feeling gets really quiet mm-hmm. and everybody is listening and they're in this beautiful state of mind. And inevitably, somebody in the audience who's got a busy mind comes and starts asking these intellectual questions. Happily, <laughs> right? Happily yeah. for a good feeling so in their mind. Yeah. But it's not coming from that deeper connection with mm-hmm. the mind. And that's what one of the things that happens. So it's we're not just saying like, oh, just you know, think positive about your husband and getting a good feeling towards him or or, you know, like that wasn't it. You remember the name of that book that came out in the in the seventies, early seventies, the the perfect wife or the perfect Oh the, the one where she, she said you should answer the door when your husband comes home with a raincoat over your nude body. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, uh, I, I remember it and I can't remember the name of it now, Phyllis but yeah. Schlafly, Phyllis Schlafly read it or something, right? Yeah, I think it was Phyllis Schlafly, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was, it was, it was this book that came out in the seventies and it was like um, a, a book for um, women to be taking care of their husbands better. And what they could do to to make their husbands happier. So, yeah. uh, it, but it, it's that's not what we're talking about, FYI. Right. <laughs> um, what we're talking about really is that when your mind gets quiet and you're present, you can feel this deeper energy that you're a part yeah. of. Yeah. And there's not. It's hard to describe that. It's hard to describe yeah. it. Now, when you first drop into and people first learn about the principles, frequently they'll have this big shift in consciousness and they're like, oh my God, they can't stop smiling, they're laughing, they're, they go from being, you know, Mr. Ho-hum, depressed, anxious person to being alive and awake and there's this cr- incredible feeling and that's a deeper feeling. But yeah. there's also a deeper, deeper feeling, which is... <laughs> yeah. What's even deeper than that, which is that sense of oneness that yes. we are with all things. So we're not yeah. talking about managing your feelings or emotions. Your oh, feelings or emotions are there as an alert to tell you, okay, you are now in a lower level of consciousness. Do not continue this line of thought. When you're in a beautiful feeling, that's your signal that relax and enjoy it. Yeah, and I think when we talk about a beautiful feeling, I see it as as a kind of neutral. It's like you have no judgments. It's neutral in that sense. That, you know, you lose you lose the need to be right or to judge. You know, you're just in life in that mm-hmm. moment, and and it's really it's really nice because you can see clearly when you're not your mind isn't clouded by all your thinking about what's going on. Yeah, and um. And I was thinking that the other day. I was uh, I have I live in downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and and there's there's quite a few homeless people that are they're kind of like the neighborhood homeless people, the same people that that kind of have their own place. And um, so there was there's one woman that I see fairly often, and she's she's usually quite cheerful. You know, she's thankful and she talks to people. And if you don't if you don't give her anything, she doesn't you know, some of them will curse at you or complain or whatever, but she's not like that. But I walked by her the other day and I, and I, 
I just thought, oh gosh, you know, she doesn't feel, I just don't get a good feeling from her today. So I turned around and I went back and I said, uh, are you having a hard day? And she said, yeah. She looked like she was going to cry. And I said, what's wrong? Well, her dog died. And she, and she left her dog. She does. She's she leaves her dog with somebody else when she's you know they take turns going to the streets to ask for money and and her dog died while in the care of the other person and she was very sad and and she said I probably shouldn't even be out here. I mean I just don't even care if anybody gives me anything and I just I just want to be just be sad about my dog. <laughs> I said. Well, I understand that. I said, I understand that. I said, have you eaten? And she said, well, no, not yet. So I just thought, you know, this woman is really grieving her dog and she needs privacy to do that. She needs to be alone. She needs to just relax a little bit and calm down and not have to be on the street trying to perk up so she can cheerfully ask for money. (laughs) So I gave her $20 which I would not normally never do, but, but she, uh, she just started to cry and she said, how did you know? And I said, I can't explain that. You know, just, I just felt that I just felt a different feeling from you and you're usually in a good space. And she says, well, I'll be back there. I'll be back there. I just need to go. I need to do something with my little dead dog. And she took off, you know, and I thought in it, most of my life, to be honest, until I really got deeply involved in the principles, I wouldn't have noticed that. She wasn't making a big show of it. It's just I picked up that feeling, and I think that that's a gift. I think it's just an incredible gift we have as human beings. And think of the problems that we wouldn't have in the world if people could really feel when they're in the presence of someone who's nervous or sad or depressed or upset or 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 really struggling with something and didn't didn't just poke the bear as they say you know that we would just have enough empathy and compassion and kindness in our hearts because we're all the same we're all people and we go in and out of different feelings and i think that's the the key when we talk about listen for the feeling it's not the words it's just that if you're really listening means just being awake in the moment and and feeling what's going on around you. And the same thing is true, I think, for people that are in danger. A lot of people are very good at just sidestepping danger, and some people just walk headlong into it. And I think that people know that, you know, they just get a feeling like, yeah, I think I'm going to cross the street. And um, and that's that's what you're looking for in life. You're looking to be connected to the moment you're living in each moment. And whatever's in that moment. And, you know, if you don't still don't know what the heck we're talking about, that's okay. Yeah. The fact that you're curious about it is what's going to lead you to it because it's yeah. inside of you. Right. And it's hard for us to talk about it because it's not in the words that we're saying. Right. It's, it's in the feeling. Right. And right. That, that, that's, uh, it, it's, that's what you want to look for in yourself is yeah. to find out what's possible for you and what it's like to live in, a, in that place of security. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that you're always, you know, positive and nice, but you're handling things with a sense of knowing. Right. 
That'd be a good word for it. Just knowing, capital K, knowing. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we did it again. Yep. Yeah. We'll see you again next week. So aloha, everyone. Go now, and, You know, in Hawaii, we, we talk about the aloha feeling, which FYI is the same thing we talked about today. So go yeah. find your, your, your Hawaii in your life. <laughs> we hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 